You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> Oh my God! Joe DeRosa just came around the corner. Joe DeRosa. Joe DeRosa. Oh my God! Hey, buddy. Oh my God! Just like appeared. Sorry, man. We're talking about the Black Klansman. I was kind of worried that I was gonna uh, scare. Grab grab a mic and uh, and, uh, and headphones and and look what I got for you, Joe DeRosa. I got your favorite, your favorite beer. What a guy! What a guy! Thank you. Put his mic on here. Oh, there it is. What a guy! Is it? Is he on there? Wait. Which one? Which one is it? Is it this oh, one? Oh, I think it's this one. Okay. Try it. Are you there? Uh, there he is. Right here? He's such a pro, he's not even putting the headphones on. Really, Joe? I don't like wearing the headphones. You don't? It makes me feel subconscious that you don't. Look at this. You want to know how much I thought about you? I put a bottle opener on the wall. Well, oh, and thank you for keeping the beer warm. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. It's not, is, is it not, is it cold? Is that cold? No, fe- that is it cold? No, it's well, well, you know, it's actually right under the heater. I should have thought of that when I put it on the shelf. You know, it's only 65 <laughs> degrees outside. You don't need that. That's so uh, LA. Uh, we so got to have the heater and a so fire. I'm going. Gonna, I'm going to get you want you want some ice? No, with that. No, that's that would make it worse because I could go in. You put beer on. I don't drink, but beer on ice doesn't ever happen, right? My buddy does it when it's too warm, and he said, um, he said you just you have to drink it fast enough. Like if it dilutes, it's pretty gross. He oh, was okay. like, "But you know, if you if you drink it at the right speed, it, it does fix the problem." But okay. I drink beer kind of slow, so I, by the time I get to the middle of it, it's going to be like water, uh, water beer. Okay, so here we. Uh, oh, just, by the way, Ruben yes. Paul and Tony Rock are coming over. Are they really? That's what they said. I hope so. That'd be yeah. awesome when the show ends. Uh, so, just for our listener. Um, I have no idea. We were talking about the black. We're not going to talk about the black Klansman because why? Anyway, uh, Joe DeRosa just came. Now, Joe DeRosa is another person that uh, I've uh, have said, Joe, I've admired you. I've looked up to you for for a long time. I kind of consider you like uh, my older brother, although I think I'm older than you. But let's not talk about that. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, buddy. I admire you too. Uh, Very nice. And uh, we we were all talking about the old Times Square Laugh Factory, which is now defunct. It was attached to Show World. The the, the Peep, peep show porno pub. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and that's where I, f- I first met you. Uh, yeah, you were you were sort of like the house host almost. Right? I was like, like the you house. You kind of hosted the house every show. Hack. Now this, this <laughs> you weren't a hack. You were just well, but you hosted like but, every show though, right? Yeah, I, I, I remember was kind of like Jamie's Jamie's guy in New York, and I was like the host because he didn't know anyone else. But he, it's funny. This I think this uh, uh, regarding you a lot, Joe. Like. I went up there when I first started. I don't know if you can realize this, Eric, but I was like, I just want people to like me. I want people to laugh. And that means if I hump a stool with a Chinese accent for a minute and go, oh, these feel so good, like, I'll do it. Right. Because uh, I didn't quite, it's not like I was like, well, it's hacky and it's, I, I'm not stealing it, but I just did the most expansive and broad physical stuff that would get the, the, the broadest appeal because I thought that that's what the night, and, and Joe was always one of these people. And I mean this in the most loving, pop. you are the best comic I know who I've seen bomb the hardest. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no, I don't take offense to that. Yeah, because you, you go up there, you do new stuff all the time. And sometimes like, ah, here's something I want to talk about. And you'll just go into the heart. Because we were just talking about, we were just very much talking about like, like Eric is, is not, 
doesn't want to piss off people. And he, but his, so his agenda is very much for a positive. Like I want, I want to show the love mm-hmm. and how people can respond to that as opposed to hating Trump by being told Trump's eats dicks. So I feel like you kind of are sort of different that way. You kind of go right into it. Well, I'm not a. I'm, I mean, you're you guys are bright guys. Like, I mean, in the mentally, obviously, but I mean, like the light. Spiritually, is, is what we like. I, 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 what we, what you were saying is like that's just not my wheelhouse is to attack somebody. It's and not it's not, and, and I'm not an attacker, but it's not right. in my wheelhouse to go up and be bubbly. Right. Like I can go up. <laughs> bubbly, bubbly sounds like I'm. I don't mean that in a demeaning way. I just mean like to go up and be bright. Yeah. Like I, I can go up and and be endearing and, and connect, mm-hmm. you know, and laugh with the audience and stuff. But I can't go up and pretend like. I'm here to spread joy. That's not ever what I was good at. My thing was always trying to find the, the funny elements in the stuff that bothered me and that, and which sometimes is, is darker. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's just stupid shit, but, uh, but uh, I don't know that always, that was always the thing that people told me I should do. It was always when I knew I was funniest with my friends still is uh and when i started to do it on stage it immediately like all my peers were like dude that's what you're you're that's you you just like did you finally yeah so i just you know it's not always i don't know i it's fun but i mean i I mean it's always stand-up's fun how how long did it take you to to get to that point where you felt that that was oh this is who i am on stage it's still it's still a thing like i'm still trying to figure it out you know but pat oswald once i opened for him and and i used to open for pat a lot actually but he said to me he was very supportive of me uh when i in my younger years and uh he really liked like the anger he liked how angry i was yeah and he was like dude you're going to get to a point one day where you're talking at mid-sentence you're gonna go hold on and you're gonna walk on stage and then just start talking again and it's gonna be zero difference like zero difference yeah and i feel like you get closer to that every year but my my act still has some um performance in it you know in terms of like volume and things of that nature if i'm telling you a story off stage i'm not gonna fucking scream yeah but i am kind of a loud guy and yeah you know well, but, and i'll say this you're like Pat Oswald is kind of sort of incredibly brilliant and always just just a wee bit just a wee bit of smart in the way he talks and mm-hmm. just because he's super he knows he's smart and so you can be that person you're like oh, i'm kind of like smart and then i can like you know have the gift of gab and i can spin words and get on stage and be that guy but when you're talking about an emotional attitude like i'm pissed off when you go on stage and that's what people expect from you. you can't be you can't be that guy off stage all the time where you're going to kill yourself you know what i mean i'm a- <laughs> I'm that guy a lot more than than I'd like to admit, but yeah, Patton Patton's got a sarcasm to him. Uh, you know, flippant works very well for him. Yeah, um, and that could be twenty four seven. And well, that could just be yeah, like 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 sarcasm can be a normal, just regular everyday thing of humor. But yeah, I hear you. Like I, I to this day, in even in private with a friend, even if it's just one on one. I make my friends laugh the hardest when I get going on something. Yes. And I start like going, that fucking pig, <laughs> piece of shit. Not not a cop, I just mean like I'll call a person a pig. You know, and I'll be like, that fucking, these fucking people make me sick. Go fucking, get a, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that my fr- 
and I can't even like that's what's always tougher. I can't fake it right now. Like I'm trying yeah, to yeah, like no, I can't I even you. like it's just something'll get me and then it'll either be good enough to put into my act yeah. where I can revisit the annoyance of that or, or or I can't and once I can it's it's gone. I feel like if you're passionate about something on stage, it almost doesn't matter what you're saying. The yeah. audience can see your passion, your whatever it is, anger, joy. Yeah. That will be funny to them because they can see that it's real. Yeah. I agree. And that's why you kill on stage. That's why you kill on stage. It's like if you're being yourself, they're going to see the passion. It's like there's not a dark element to Brian Regan's act. Right. There's not a curse word in it. There's not any anger. But, I mean, my God, it levels the room in the same way that, like, Kinnison did. Yeah. And it's it's a completely different energy and a completely different thing. But it's like you can see that he really is invested in this stuff that he's talking about. Like, when he talks about how annoying it is when he tries to check into a hotel and they keep saying that they don't have the reservation. Like, you can tell, like, he's, like, feeling it. He's it's like, I fucking deal with this shit everywhere I go. Yeah. And just because... He's just a guy that deals with it in a, in a much friendlier, in a very funny, but a friendlier way. Than... Do you feel like some stuff that he does is performance? But it's the, I feel like it's real, you know? Yeah. But it's, there's a lot of performance to it, which I enjoy. I, I, I will say this. I don't, I don't know him at all. I've met him a couple times, but I did hang out and drink with him once because a buddy of mine was managing his tour. And he jo- he was joking like that in real life too. Okay. So it was hilarious, but like he would that's how he would joke. So he wow. he, he wasn't like off stage. He was like these motherfucking cunts. <laughs> no, he would talk like like he would he cursed off stage. Yeah. Like any normal human being does. Like yeah. it wasn't like he had a fucking sailor mouth or something. But but he would joke and like when he'd tell a story like and he would do a person in the story he'd be like oh so then uh, uh," you know like he he does do that at least that night he did yeah and i was like oh that's cool like that's like who he is yeah that's just how the fucking guy jokes around i guess you know but but like a kinnison obviously like who i'm a big fan of obviously he's not in a conversation I don't think screaming at people yeah maybe he was i don't and don't you think for kinnison too maybe he woke up one day had a good wink and felt really good. And he goes, ah, oh, now I gotta be angry. I gotta go on stage and be angry. But he actually, he he, he felt pretty good about his life and he went on stage he had to put on the whole thing. You ever think that happened? This happened with you, for example. We were like, I'm in a pretty good mood. I just booked a job. I'm on Better Call Saul on AMC. Check it out. No, thank yeah. you. Uh, no, um, the, the happier I am, the better it is for me. Because the material is always from a negative perspective. Yeah. So it never hurts me to, to be a little happier when I'm delivering it. Yes. Because it, that just gives it another layer that I think works that I wish I could have a little more frequently. Yeah. When I'm in a good mood, it's much, much better. Interesting. Uh, when I'm in a bad mood, it's not good. Yeah. It's not good. I don't think, you know, I, I could be in a, I could be in an okay mood and it's good. But if I'm in a bad mood, yeah, that's when it will turn on. Well, let's talk about tonight because you just won stage uh, on uh, Ruben Paul's show, and you you just got stage just now. Yeah, and uh, I know that show can be a, a tricky show. It's a late night. It's a weekday. It can be very urban. How did it How did it feel? It was great. It was awesome. What were you working on? Was anything new or? I told one joke about China. 
that I never told in America. I, I wrote it when I was in China, and I never told it here. So I tried that, and it worked. Can, can you share that, Jeff? Yeah, I was like, China's a weird place, you know? Uh, they completely banned Twitter, Google, and Instagram, but you can carry a baby on a scooter, and nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so... Gotta wonder where the priorities are, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's um, can you text and can you text and scoot? I wonder. That I don't know, but like in Shanghai, scooters were so popular because it's such a densely populated city. Yeah. And it's just the easiest way to get around. Like you'll, yeah. if you're in a car, you can't get anywhere. And have you been there? Sorry, no, I'm I talking. I've like, been there. No. So, but yes, yeah, so I see people, dude. I don't mean like in a baby seat. The baby's got a fucking helmet on. I mean like like a like a mom. Riding on, oh my God. are you talking about like back? a razor scooter? Are you talking about like, like a, a Vespa, Vespa kind, kind of thing? thing? Yeah, and like literally, like a dude driving the the girlfriend or wife <laughs> sitting behind him, like arm around the waist, holding the baby with the other hand, with the hand <laughs> arm, like not even holding on with two hands. No, to the person, just on just the wide motorcycle. open baby. Nobody cares. Oh my God, <laughs> like, don't even put him in a baby Bjorn to get your hands free. No, dude, it was fucking oh. wild, man. It was like, wild. How long were you there for? How'd that come about? Just I got booked there to do some shows, and uh, I was there for I don't know about a week and a half. And what something. what is what are the audiences like there? Is it very metropolitan? It's all expats, so yeah. I didn't. I performed for very few born and raised Chinese people. Yeah, but the ones that did come were spoke English, and I didn't have to change much. The things that you have to change, you have to change for everybody. What do you mean? It's not a language issue. It's a cultural issue. Yeah, okay. I think they only get six American blockbuster movies a year or something oh, like no. that. So it's like little shit like that where you can't just, you know, passively reference whatever you feel like referencing. Yeah. yeah. Some of the shit they were like, we don't know what the fuck that is. Yeah. Because they just don't have it there yet. Yeah. You know? India they, was was like America. I did India. And it was like, this. It was they got everything. The only thing they didn't get... But that I didn't even try is uh, Latino stuff. They don't have Mexicans there. Ah, so they, yeah. they all the cultural stuff. They they are all you know. Yeah. the internet is the best. You know, that's how Tokyo was. It's always China. It was yeah. just it was like small shit. Yeah. It was just literally like when I say like you know you couldn't. What's a good example? I feel like here you could be like, for instance, you know when they I remember when they announced the making of Jurassic world 2 uh-huh. I had a joke about it and all that everybody knew they were making it yeah but if I was there I don't think I could have been like you're they're making Jurassic World 2 like yeah they'd I be think- like there's a Jurassic World <laughs> <laughs> and that's obviously stuff they could find but they don't have Google and shit so it's like if they, so they have crazy. to use proxy servers people have to use proxy servers to get to that other stuff that we have um, but what's interesting is I asked a lot of people like why does your government ban why did it ban Google? Why did it ban Instagram, Twitter, all these things? And they were like, because they suspected that they were going to sell our information illegally. And I was like, well, they did. They did <laughs> yeah. do that. They did that to us. Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. you, maybe, maybe your government's not that off. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting place, man. Don't they have one over there, a search engine called Baidu or Baidu or something? They like have that? their own search engine, yeah. and then they have this app called WeChat. Okay. That's literally like they're texting, calling, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. Like, it's everything in one. And okay. And the government has complete control over it, probably. Yeah, it can be monitored. So that's, you know, that's the that's the kind of freaky part of it. But 
but uh, it's a weird thing because on the one hand I'm like your government was right they sold information illegally and then on the other hand you go oh yeah but they're just trying to make sure they know what, exactly what you're saying they yeah. want that power why give it to the American company yeah maybe yeah. yeah but I do think there is a I do think it is a power thing in the sense of they want to monitor the citizens but I also do think there is some genuine interest in protecting China uh. you know I don't think they want to have access so they can sell shit I think there is some interest in protecting the country but you know, it's crime-free, dude. And I was like... China's crime-free? Yeah. Is it homeless-free? No, it's homeless people. Yeah. Um, but I was like, we're Americans need to go to fucking China and see what, you know, everybody here bitches. You know, we have crime, we have this, we have that. Why don't you go to China and see what it takes to be crime-free when, when you're being stopped every 10 feet at the airport by a military guard yeah. who's checking your passport and all that shit. It's like, you know, freedom is risky. Yeah, and that's that's why shit happens here. Yeah, unfortunately, sure. it's just the, it's just the it just comes with the turf. But there, I was like, oh, this is what it takes to be crime free. Yeah, like you need your the government has to be like you cannot do this, and if you do do it, you can go to jail. What do people complain about there, or can they? I don't know. I don't know. To be honest. Yeah. I don't know. Like, Most, are they happy being crime-free, but, like, always stopped? Or, like, are they... They okay? fucking... Lo- people seem to love the place. Like, but. like I met... Look, to me, this was the true test of it all. I met so many Americans that moved there permanently in their, like, 20s and really? 30s. Wow. And they fucking love it. Is it because they have an Asian fetish, though? Let's be honest. No, no. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Russ Maneef. No. no, it's not. <laughs> no. It's, uh... It's, um... They love it. And I was like, to me, that's the real test. Like, yeah. what are you going to, you know, and you could find any indigenous person to a country, any country that would say they love the fucking country or they hate it or whatever. You know, to me, the true test is like, oh, you moved here. You moved here. yeah, From America and you love it. Like, it must be pretty fucking cool. It's a good place, man. Like, it's so this is Shanghai or just China in general. I think it's China in general. Yeah, but I mean Shanghai particularly, but Tokyo was like that. Tokyo, not as much shit was banned, but Tokyo was like Tokyo was like very laid back, very cool, very polite, no crime, no crime, yeah. and clean, right? Super clean, no crime. There's no but guns. If, in, there's no guns in Japan. There's like six. Guns. I don't think so. Yeah, but if you fuck up, you're done. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's... Like, the kind of shit that people would rip their hair out about over here is the kind of shit they they put into motion over there that keeps the crime from happening. They'll be like, hey, guys, there's not going to be any crime. But um, guess what? Um, if you do get arrested, you don't get a phone call. And you disappear in a jail for 30 days. Yeah. And everybody thinks you're dead until yeah. we let you out so you can tell them that you were in jail. Yeah. It's yeah. shit like that. So you're like, I, that's... That's way scarier to me than any fine or anything. I don't want to go to fucking jail. Like, you don't get a phone call? Yeah. There is no, like, I need to see my lawyer. They're like, get in the fucking van. You're not seeing anybody. So basically, like, hey, you can have no human rights, but you can also be crime-free and happier. It's sort of, you know. It's a weird trade-off. You can have have day-to-day, the day-to-day human rights are great. Nope, like, like Tokyo, nobody 
pushes, nobody shoves. Dude, when you go to the subway or you go to a stoplight, people line up, dude. They fucking line up. There is none of this shit where somebody's trying to get to the front of the line. Like, they line up. Like, you were here first, I will stand behind you. It is very ordered. Yeah. It is extremely polite. It's a fucking blast of a city. Everybody drinks. Everybody has a ball. Like, it's not, you know, everybody parties. It's a great time. But, like I said, if you do fuck up, yeah. it's like, okay, you go to jail now for 30 days and you don't get a phone call. A friend of the guy that, that had me over there was telling me that that happened to his buddy. Yeah. Oh, really? Because he grabbed a cop by the shoulder. This guy got into a bar fight and the cops came. Hey, how you doing? This is my neighbor, Mia. Hi, Hi Mia. Hi, Mia. I know Mia. Yep, I know. How are you? I'm all right. How you doing? The, uh, this guy got into a bar fight and the cops came and the cop was like yelling at my friend's friend like you know and he and my this, this guy grabbed like I don't even think aggressively I think he just put his hand on the like, cop's shoulder like hey buddy guy. calm down yeah and uh and the cop was like you're done that was it and what happened to your what happened to the guy my buddy who who was telling the story he was like dude we thought he was dead <laughs> he goes he didn't show up to work for 28 days we, he, we thought what? he was dead uh, and he, they go finally after two weeks. We we were like, oh, we should call the precincts. Yeah. And they started calling the, the precincts, and he was like, oh, he's in jail. But he's like, dude, for like a week they were calling every hospital. He was missing first, and then they the, were calling. He, he had no access to a phone. And you no, you don't get anybody. a call. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, so they're like, have fun, have a good time, play amongst yourselves, but don't fuck up. Yeah, I don't, get the, I don't get the reasoning behind that like why tell, not telling your family like where you are like maybe you don't get a call but they gotta notify somebody to let, you know not cause panic I don't know that's I think they look at it hey it's on your family to call yeah. around and see if you're here uh, but I will tell you dude that is such that is such a small thing yeah. <laughs> to implement into the crime criminal system but yeah. it would change it yeah, changes but yeah. everything also eradicating due process too because someone can get you know framed for shit sure like, oh. and you're like fuck it who cares yeah no yeah. that's true too but I mean I'm, I'm convinced that that is the one no, element that made that, that place crime free yeah exactly. no phone call and you're just like I can't do that <laughs> fucking phone calls are causing so much crime in our country well I mean that, that that's al that's always a line right between I mean I think that's a whole division between Republicans and liberals because I, I was telling Eric like I'm definitely like in my heart and soul I'm liberal but at the same time I'm always I feel like the Democrat party is like the hot bitch who gets really drunk at the party you're like Jesus Christ do you have to fuck everybody do you have to snort everything does is, does everything have to be okay can't there be a goddamn heart out at one at some point is it like moral horizon right so uh i i kind of think that that's sort of <laughs> what you're talking about with uh with japan because that, that's a very that is not a liberal point of view right there that is very much like law it's not order. but then you look at the culture in tokyo it's extremely liberal oh it is the culture itself is yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, like, they just put one or two things in place. Then they were like, this is all we need to do. Like, nobody's going to fuck up if we just do this and this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then if everyone's drinking and getting drunk, like, how can you not fuck up all the time? Um, dude, you just don't. They just don't. They're, I mean, look, obviously people do. But yeah. it's like, it's just not that kind of scene. Dude, dude, you can carry booze through the street drinking it. Wow. Wow. Didn't see one fucking fight. Did you think? Didn't see any. Did it was nuts. <laughs> Didn't see one person puking. Oh my god. The, the culture is very like. I mean, the work ethic over there is 
crazy. Yes. Like, remember that movie, uh, Gung Ho? Yeah. I remember, I always remember that. Where uh, It's a comedy movie from, like, the 80s, where the Japanese car dealer, like, comes to America and, like, shows them how to really run a car dealership. They buy the Japanese it, pr- production company, buys the manufacturer, buys the American company. And yes. the Americans are all pissed because everybody gets laid off. But then, like, Michael Keaton has to learn to appreciate the Japanese way and, like, they have to yeah. work together. Yeah. Right, Joe right. knows every fucking yeah, movie. Yeah. It's amazing. I haven't watched it since the 80s, so. <laughs> but, uh, I think George Wentz in it, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, good call. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, the, 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 it's, it, dude, like, when I would stop, now, I'm the American. I'm the one that speaks English. I'm the asshole. I can't speak any Japanese. Yeah. I would stop cabs to try to get somewhere when I was there then I would just show them on the map because I didn't know how else to do it yeah of course Um, and when sometimes they could take me and it was fine when they couldn't take me the cab driver would literally bow (laughs) and be like I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and that's how everybody like if you bump into somebody in the street it's like you nod like so sorry excuse me so sorry it's just it's just a different way of life, dude. Like, that's probably... That's why I think people aren't puking and fighting. Like, it's... Dude, there's subways. My fucking phone went off on the subway, and, and the guy I was with was like... He was oh, like... that's like rude. He was like, dude... Dude, subways there, they're fucking gorgeous, yeah. first of all. And uh, they're squeaky fucking clean. Beautiful stations. And, dude, people just sit like this. Yeah. Just stare forward. Nobody's talking. Nobody's yelling shit. Nobody's playing music. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a good it's a good vibe, but dude. Aren't but there but, people you know. who have to like shove them in with a chimney sweeps brush, like into the little trains? Like they jam them in there, or is that China? Is that somewhere else? I didn't see that. Am people I being told racist, me, but people I think it's told me that that happened in Japan, but I, I didn't see it. I mean, yeah. maybe it does somewhere. I mean, Tokyo's a big city. It might maybe, but you know, it was so. It was just so orderly. Yes. You know, like, I was in basically Tokyo's Grand Central Station, and it was yeah. just like, it was just like without a fucking hitch, man. Would yeah. it be hard to be an artist there, though? Be- because, you're like, there's no music playing, there's no, like, people are just have their eyes forward, they're not really expressing themselves. No, I don't think know? it would be at all. I think you just have to go to, I think it's much more kind of the kind of place. Imagine if New York didn't have any of the bullshit. Yeah. in the street that makes you get furious at New York mm-hmm. yeah it would still have its havens you would still have your destination that you got to to express yourself and to share or whatever and, and that's the vibe I got from China I felt like it was is this your way of saying that you're gonna move to Japan if it was closer I would but it's too <laughs> fucking far man it's so far now uh, Joe I wanted to kind of like do a hard right turn right here because we were talking doing a lot of origin stories and I've known you for a long time, but I don't really know how you kind of got started into stand-up and sort of what your influences were coming up. Because, uh, you, you know, you're, again, you're one of those people who just strike me as someone who's just sort of been authentically you. And that was on stage since I've known you. So I'm just curious, were you like, were you like a bright young kid at one point who was like, hey, man, I want to be a doctor? And then something happened. <laughs> did you have hope <laughs> at one point? Yeah, I did, did it one point. get molested by your priest? What happened, Joe? No molestation. Show me on the doll. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely was riddled with hope at one point. Um, <laughs> riddled. <laughs> I think bad. it's a... 
I've grown to think it's a toxic thing, personally. I hope is? I think it's toxic. <laughs> I do. I think it's false, and I think it's... Now, I don't mean it on a... I don't mean it on a personal level. I don't mean like believing in yourself is bad or believing in your loved ones is bad. Or if you're sick, saying I'm going to beat this. I don't think that kind of hope is bad. But hope in all of this around us and this society that we live in and all that. Get the fuck out of here. It's it's bullshit. It's, it's, I don't believe in it for one second. And my turn into... I was always attracted to rebellious things. Mm-hmm. I loved gangster rap. I couldn't explain why. And this is before you did comedy. I was a young kid. I was yeah. in fourth grade or something. Yeah. Fifth, no, sixth grade. But I loved gangster rap. I couldn't tell you why I loved it. I didn't relate to it. It was, from, it was, it was music from another place. It was stories of a place that I never had seen. But I loved it. The rebellion in it just got me fucking going. I got into Sinatra at a young age for the same reason. I just loved that he was like, I'm fucking smoking, I'm drinking, go fuck yourself. Um, I got into punk rock in high school for the same reason. I, I, I got into George Carlin when I was 12 for that reason. I was always attracted to that thing and I didn't quite understand why. And when I got old enough, I guess it was my mid-20s or so, or late-20s, and I realized that I had, in my opinion, had been sold a bill of goods. And all this stuff that was fed to me was now, bullshit. Do you, do you know this as a moment? Do you see this as a moment where this happened? You were like, oh my God, like the, you stepped out of the matrix? Yeah, it was like, it was, it was basically like getting out of college and, you know, starting to work and being lost in that shuffle. And what were you doing for work? It's a great question. What was I doing? I was, <laughs> I was, um, I was a news reporter for the Senate in Texas for a little while. Wow. So I guess it was steps, because when I did, I worked for the 76th legislative session in Austin, Texas, at the Capitol building. And I was I worked for the media department of the actual Senate. So we had access to the Senate floor, which is a pretty privileged access to have. It was us, it was us and then like six reporters or something were allowed down there. But we had full access, so... Um, that was when I, once I was there every day, like not knowing much about politics up until that point, being sort of apathetic, and then like being there and actually seeing the, the the dealings every day, the back and forth. Hey, if you vote for my this, I'll vote for your that. And when I started to go, yeah, but you don't approve of that. Why would you vote for that? You don't approve of that. You're really against that. But you're just doing that so you get to vote for your thing? Like... That's when I lost. That, that I remember. That's absolutely the moment when I was like, "Oh, politics is bullshit." This is bullshit. This, this is a, bullshit. This is all about like your constituents or your investors, and it's just about keeping the seat. Like, yeah, how do you keep the seat? You get voted in for telling people what you want to do, and maybe you get lucky, and they go, "We love you," and you get voted in. And then once you're in, it's like, okay, what do they want now? Because I got to keep this fucking cush job. And I I saw lobbyists every day. I, I learned about how much. You know what they make personally as for, for the job versus what they make annually a year, yeah, which is a drastically different number. Yeah. Um, so that's when I kind of lost that. And so you quit the job. You were. No, like, I, I, I finished it. It was a. It was a. It was a finite position. It, it was six months or something. Yeah. I had the option to stay on. I didn't want to. So I. I. I did my time and then I left. 
And that's when I was like, I'm never putting a suit on to go to work ever again. So, so it was two things at once. It was like I lost faith in, in um, politics and government. And I lost faith in the idea of corporate America and all that. It was, it was both rolled into one, and I, I didn't want to do either. And the thing that I found more offensive than anything was uh, I, a lot of the people I worked with, who are still dear friends to me to this day, were uh, very, very liberal. Mm-hmm. And they were big fans of certain liberal senators. And I was like, okay, so I guess this is like a cool guy that I should like or whatever, this senator. And I remember those, and I'm not just saying this, I remember those senators were always incredibly fucking arrogant and passive and shitty to me. Yeah. And the one senator that gave a fuck and actually showed me he appreciated it, because I'd have to go to their offices and record like little... Uh, snippets for them and shit was this guy Todd Staples who was like fucking super you know right I mean he was a Republican he was a Republican I mean Trump makes him look like you know fucking Willie Nelson but you know what I mean but he was you know he was pretty hard right for the time yeah and um and I remember being like that's he's a good dude yeah and like and then I remember being told like no he's not a good dude yeah he's Republican he's evil yeah and I was like yeah, but like on a personal level, he treated me like a human being. Like he actually like patted me on the back and said thank you. Yeah, he didn't act like I owed it to him to be there. Like I was like that 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 counts for something for. And that's when I was like, this is all bullshit, man. I, I'm not fucking doing this team shit. So so I fell out of both of those things. And then after you know after years of not really being into the relationships and like not. You know, honestly, loving watching internet porn and loving it and loving, like, the sexual freedom. Yeah. And kind of being told by people, like, that's fake. That's fake. I was like, no, it's not. There's, like, people out there that like to do shit like this. Like, yeah. So that's kind of when I started. I'm not saying, like, I'm a fucking porn sex Yeah, freak. tell me more about the porn. It's slower. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, eventually, as a guy that didn't have long-term relationships, I was like, oh, there's, like, another way to do this. Yeah. So that, not against marriage, but that kind of went out the window at that point. And I was like, and then the, you know, and then the Catholic Church scandal happened. Um, Did you grow up Catholic? Yeah, very oh. Catholic. Uh, wow. And I, at that point, I wasn't practicing. But then the scandal happened, and the Pope came out and basically said he shuffled all these people around, and it was like such a fucking betrayal. My dad's a deacon in the Catholic Church. Oh, wow. I remember how how much he hurt from that, like how betrayed he felt by all of that, and I was like, "Oh, so this is bullshit too." Yeah, politics and, and religion. It was just cycles. like one thing after another through my twenties. It was just like the facade just kept falling and falling and falling on everything, and I was just like, "I was let down." I was, I was about to say that you got let down. Yeah, and because I, I was like, I was promised a world where I'd have a job that would support me and I'd have security and I would be treated fairly. I was promised a world where my vote counted and, and you know, the, the government was the voice of the people. I was promised a world where God existed. I was promised a world where he wouldn't turn his back on us. I was promised a world where you could have faith and peace and serenity in your church. I was promised a world where you'd look across the room and, and see the one and time would stop and all that shit. And none of it was fucking true. None of it was true. And that was... That was when I started to go in the other direction. Yeah. 
And uh, and Carlin, honestly, Carlin was a huge part of that because as I was realizing all that, I was getting deeper into his comedy mm-hmm. and also deeper into like Frank Zappa and people that were sort of echoing the same sentiments, you know? And I remember the Carlin thing, fuck hope, there's a good campaign slogan, fuck hope, you know? like. <laughs> and I remember I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I understand what you mean. I don't think that's negative. This is all bullshit. Yeah. So um, you're saying like hope is sold as a fake thing to keep you pacified almost. Yeah, it's the, it's the, uh, it's called the Bible of parables or whatever. The meek shall inherit the earth, all those things. Is that the Beatitudes, the parable? I can't remember what they're called. Jewish. But you know, there's, there, well, there's stuff in the, in the, the teachings from Christ of the meek shall inherit the earth and all yeah. that. Yeah, oh, okay. It's horseshit. Yeah. Something you tell poor people so they don't get fucking mad that they're getting the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. You'll, in, you'll get it later yeah. in heaven. Yeah. you won't yeah that's, yeah that's crazy the whole afterlife is like well this life you won't get it but don't worry if you're a good person yeah yeah all, all that kind of stuff to me I was just like this is all bullshit praying what the fuck does praying do <laughs> like I, I remember realizing at a fairly not, not, not young but you know again my 20s or whatever just realizing like there's like a kid eating a rock in Ethiopia right now and this fucking jerk off that just got a touchdown is thanking God. I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, it's just bullshit. I, I, I just don't. I, I don't know. So that kind of that kind of broad hope. Yeah, I just checked out. I was like, this. I don't buy any of it anymore. Well, I, and then Twitter and all, and, yeah. and, and the internet, and everything only reinforced it for. Well, me. I kind of want to push back yeah. on that a little bit because you say that, but at the same time, what you're doing is very much taking your voice and actively going going for something you're, you're you're using your voice and you're actually imparting thoughts or wisdom or what you feel for a reason right like you, when you go on stage particularly with your act do you think even in a small part like what i'm doing is actually helping wake people up no not at all not at all not at all there's no part not of you that all. feels that what you do is actually sort of medicinal not or at helpful all. to people and not at all literally not at all i'm not saying i'm not just saying that <laughs> not at all okay I believe the it, yeah. only the only the only hope I have on stage or the only desire I have on stage is that people will be able to just see where I'm coming from, which is the fuck all the shit you guys are into perspective. Yeah. And that they don't just shut down and go, nope, I'm not listening to this. You yeah. need to pick a side or you need to do this. You need to believe in this. That's all I care about. If they can go with me on that walk, great. They don't have to agree with me at the end of it. I don't want them to change their minds or their lifestyles. I don't believe in any of it. Yeah. I don't believe in any of it. And I think comedians going on stage thinking that they're changing the world are the fucking problem with comedy right now. Yeah. You know, everybody is tree stumping. They said this thing I said on stage when I was, when I'd be bombing, like if I did a harsh joke and people got, you know, like sensitive, I'd go, you know, guys, there was a time when comedy was meant to tell jokes. Like it was meant to make fun of things. It wasn't just people tree stumping on Twitter for 24 hours a fucking day. Yeah. And then that would always get applause, which I never understood. It's like <laughs> they weren't laughing, but then they'd be like, "Yeah, you're right." Yeah, you're right. And exactly. then that would be a turning point in the show. But um, but that's the problem with everything. Everybody's got a fucking message. Everybody wants to get up and tell you that they figured it out. And you know, all these people telling telling us how to live these 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 comedians and and, and whomever telling us how to live, what we should think, and what we should be doing. They all got one. They've all got one common thread amongst them. They're all privileged white people. Mm-hmm. 
bitching about the privileged white people. Yeah. Unable to look in the mirror and go, but I'm one of those people. Yeah. So here's what happens. To make it, this is just for anybody at home that's not in the entertainment business. To make it to the top of this ladder, you've got to be an absolute piece of shit. Nobody makes it to the top without being garbage. What about Tom Hanks? Uh... I'm not an actor, so I don't know if it can work differently in acting. I'm <laughs> saying in comedy. In comedy, okay. I'm saying in comedy. Um, Why is that? Why would you say in comedy and not other entertainment fields? Well, I can't say not another. I guess, man, I, I guess I should say entertainment. Look, let's put it this way. Let's apply to For the most them. part. Let's apply. Yeah, there are exceptions to every rule. Tom Hanks seems like a great dude. Yeah. I don't fucking know. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, he might keep a Jew saying, in his basement. You, are you saying that to get to the top of the comedy, he, you have to be an asshole I think they get to the top of any heat hmm. so let me alter that I, I am saying all the entertainment yeah who's I mean look I at, don't know him personally but I don't Chappelle seems like a good dude well again there there can be exceptions I know Dave Dave's a yeah. nice guy there yeah. are exceptions um, but you know why is this business any different than anything else? how many Bill Gates's are there in the world Bill Gates is a guy that's made billions of dollars, that's got a good reputation, that seems likable, and seems like actually a decent person. George Lucas is another guy like that. Those are the only two I can think of. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, Steve Jobs was an asshole. Steve, Steve Jobs was a garbage person. Yeah. I think there's both. I mean, even though he was troubled, Robin Williams, I think, was a good guy. So so we've 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 named three now well that's a lot you said none right you, know? you said you had there's always exceptions to the rule yeah, right, but right. i i think like i think for the most part and without naming names because just a couple for every name you just said i'd be happy to rattle off five that i all like, right oh no but i just i don't want to get into that yeah, yeah, yeah i'd rather just say the names of the people that are good yeah but my point is this is this is my theory about all this shit these comics that think they're changing the fucking world right now it's all the ones at the top. It's all, or not, maybe not the tippy top, but it's all ones that are doing very well. They're yeah. positioned, they're seated, they can spend lots of time on the internet every day. And my theory is, is that guilt starts to creep up. Yeah. And they start to think about all the shit they did to get there, all the people they threw under the bus, all the times they were utterly selfish. They start to feel guilty. And then their reaction to that guilt is, I need to tell people how to be a good person. It's yeah. their penance. And it's like, hey, fuck you guys. I didn't need a bunch of fucking white bread, well-off comics to tell me that fat shaming was mean. Yeah, I knew it was mean because I'm a human being. By the way, all of you saying to stop doing it, you're all the ones that were complaining about fat, lazy Americans five years ago. Whoa. So shut the fuck up. That's a good one. Yeah. So shut the fuck up. Yeah. You're conflicted. You you are ashamed of where you are. I'm not ashamed of where I am. I don't have the problem. Yeah. And I don't want to change anybody's fucking mind. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. With that being said, is there a place in comedy where you feel like here there be dragons? Like, I'm not going to go there. I don't want to talk about that. Even that might be too edgy for me to even say. Like, is there stuff that you were like, I want to say this fucking joke, but you stop yourself just based on uh, whatever, some sort of limiter in your head? Yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not that edgy. I don't think I'm that edgy, but like, I, I yeah. No, I've had jokes where you can say it here as a safe space. I wanted to <laughs> accept all the people listening. I wanted to do. I wanted to do a thing about Kavanaugh. Uh -huh. I'm scared to do it on stage. Sure. Because I think people think that I would simply be making a, a rape joke for the sake of shock value, 
and making fun of rape, and that's not what the point of the joke is. Yes. So that's why I didn't do it. Yeah. You haven't done it yet. I've never it's done just, it. I don't relevant. think I'll ever do it, but I had a joke about Kavanaugh well, that let's I wrote hear it tonight. where I was, like, I was like, people hated Kavanaugh so much that when the FBI said they were going to investigate him, people were literally like, please let her have been raped. Please. <laughs> they That's hate, true. They yeah. hated him yeah. so much that, that they wanted that to be They're, true. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's not true. I'm not saying he's a good dude. I'm not saying uh, she's... I'm not disagreeing with her. I believe her. My point is, though, is when you broke it down totally, in my head, people would have been disappointed... Yes. If the FBI came back and said, we have absolute proof that he did not do it. Yeah, I agree. People would have been disappointed. And I thought that that was such a funny, crazy place to get with your politics that without even knowing it, you were almost hoping that a yes. horrible thing had happened just so your hate would be justified. Yeah. Um, and But I was like, I can't do it because see the way you reacted. You went, oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, like. No, but I agree. I agree with that. Like, that could totally happen. I agree with that. that what, what could totally the, happen? The, the justifying your hate. Like, you want, you almost want that bad thing to have happened, like you said. Well, and it's uh, a very common human tendency. Yes. yes. Like, it's, yes. It's, 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 it's like well, when you go, please fuck up. When you have a shitty employee, please fuck up one more time. Please well, make this easy for me yes. so I can just fire you. Yeah, it's, you know? it's like with a, like and I was telling you, like I'm obviously in my heart so liberal. I don't think I'll ever not be liberal. But I keep wanting the liberal whenever they have a, an attack or a point of view. I keep like Elizabeth Warren. I'm like, God damn it, just be a little bit more Native American, please, for the love of fuck, please. And exactly like, yeah. please be molested a little bit more so that the the, the Kavanaugh doesn't get seated. But you you want. The, the victims to actually have more more substance to what they're crying about because otherwise it just looks like a white woman like being uh, an entire white woman saying mm. I mean this is this is I don't want to hack his joke but Crystalia has a, has a pretty funny bit and you know it's obviously very different because it's a male point of view but he talks about after show one time a woman came up to him and grabbed his balls during like a photo shoot and he goes he's like, what the fuck he goes and then so, and then you know happened after that I forgot about it <laughs> and so, and I get it. You're like a six foot two, like white dude, and it's easy and simple for a woman. But there is a part of me that's like, we can't even. You can't say that. You can't tell when. You can't say, hey, listen, white women, uh, fucking relax. No, and 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 that's the thing. Like, there's the thing that troubles me is is that I could be coming from, and I am coming from a place of this. I can be coming from the place of I believe Ford. Yeah. I believe her. I don't like Brett Kavanaugh and aside from his uh, uh, alleged uh, wrongdoings I don't think the man is mentally stable enough to sit on a Supreme Court seat and I also don't like the fact that he leans into the God card so often when you're yeah. supposed to be completely uh, you know up the middle uh, as a judge but but the fact that I can come from that position with my opinion on those two people being that and I'm, and I can't say, isn't it weird that people almost wanted her to be assaulted just so they could be right? That bothers me. Yeah, that bothers me because I feel like too many people are like, no, it's one or the other. That's it. You can't question it ever. You can't say a thing ever. You have to. This, these are the talk points. Yeah. This is the way you do it, and that is it. Yeah. On a general level, yeah. sometimes personally you can get a little more intimate, but like. Uh, I mean, this fucking town is just, you know, 
this town has lost its fucking mind. I mean, you can't. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. Like, I, you know. I had to justify one of my jokes where I'm doing an Indian accent, but I'm doing it, like, out of respect for saying the, the words right. Yeah. And I had to, like, add something in there about why I'm doing it out of respect, and now it works again. But, like, for a while, it wasn't working because I could feel people were, like, going, why are you doing an Indian accent? Yeah. You know, but I actually went to India, and I I want to take you there. Like, it's not going to make sense if I'm, ta- if I'm talking from that person's perspective and yeah. just talking but, without the accent. But, but that, like, I also, and, and that's great, you did that. I hate the idea, and I don't want to name uh, the comedian who does this, but there's some comics who comment on the fact let's just say her name's like Chelsea Pretty but like she, she'll comment on the fact that like you know how comics like oh black woman be like this and that and she'll get a laugh I'm like you're you, what's getting the laugh is you doing the black woman voice not you commenting on people doing a black woman voice I but know you, what you mean but you yeah, remove yeah. yourself one step from it and then you can kind of ironically look down and go mm, I'm commenting on it but like no you're actually just doing a hacky black voice and getting a laugh from it yeah, it's which weird, is fine I feel like I do it's, it too. it's more important the content of what I'm saying is not in this particular thing is actually defending and like, you know, kind of calling us out on our bullshit. But I'm, you know, I think the accent, like some people can't see past it. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. Well, like the whole thing with the Simpsons now, Abu is like this incredibly offensive character and people now want to cancel the symptoms because of Abu, Abu or whatever it is, because it was this offensive Indian character all these right. times. But at the same time, are, are stereotypes can you not do stereotypes in stand up is that the rule that we're hearing well I mean I think like you know uh, the way you just phrased it, it to me is the issue if 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 the discussion needs to be about a poo being offensive then let that be the discussion but people going they should cancel the Simpsons over it <laughs> this all or nothing yeah mm-hmm you know take no prisoners thing is you know i was bitching about this on my podcast about with roseanne i was like i was like look i get why they did what they did i get why they reacted that way i get the position they were i understand all that but maybe you leave it a little open on the connors maybe you don't kill her oh yeah maybe you make it that she had a nervous breakdown and fled just similar and to they the don't know where she is so just in case we ever forgive <laughs> she could come <laughs> back to the show but how every did she die in the in this in this Connors fucking overdose, overdose of opioids. opioids oh god but i mean it's like it's like they nothing is ever just like time out anymore now don't forget me and these are the time out people these are the time out people these are the people that said don't hit your kid give them a time out yeah. be open-minded try to understand uh, you know, don't, don't prejudge yeah. all these things. And now they've turned into these people that are saying like, no, you shut the door, you lock it. That's it. They're out there on their own in the fucking world on the street. Tough. Yeah. You know, and you go, okay. Yeah. Okay. But it's like, look, man, we all like Mel Gibson again. He <laughs> fucked up. He fucked up real bad. Yeah. And then he apologized. And then he came around and was like, hey, guys, I'm like normal Mel Gibson again. And everyone yeah. was like, all right, shit, man. It's right. been three years. Fine. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, yeah. they could do a Roseanne origin story like like uh, Better Call Saul. Just go back in time. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Good> call back. 
and just uh, you know make make everyone look younger. Yeah. Speaking of origin stories, I, I, we never got to your first stand up. So you you quit the state Congress of Texas, and then somehow that Senate Senate okay, and then you well the con- wait Senate is Congress. Well, House I don't know what the fuck. Uh, is yeah, on. the House but, and Senate. But to is me, Congress. it's always like what is what is origin story? How did you first get on stage with a microphone and go okay, I'm gonna do this? Uh, you sound really excited to tell this story as you're rubbing your face and sighing and looking at your watch. So we can skip it if you want. No, I was. I was just. It was. I was a musician. My friend and I were playing a, a, an open mic one night at a bar in the neighborhood that I grew up in. The audience wasn't listening to us. We were drunk. They were drunk. We started to make fun of them and, and improvise songs about what douchebags they were. <laughs> they started laughing and listening. By the end, we were killing. Yeah. We got off stage, and the manager of the bar was like, "You guys are hilarious. I love your act. Come do a comedy show here." I thought we were a comedy act. You thought you were a comedy duo. Yeah. Did you come back uh, as a duo with guitars and shit? We didn't use good. Well, sometimes, but we went back. And so then, what, what the deal we made was that we were going to go into the bar every Monday night during during halftime of Monday Night Football, uh-huh. and do comedy for that, you know, the intro music comedy, or just just no. just any comedy. Yeah. Um, so we went in and we did all this, you know, we were really into like Mr. Show and Andy Kaufman and all this stuff. So yeah. like we did this really weird, offensive, we didn't know how to do it properly. You know, we were thought like, <laughs> oh, just do comedy. You just say crazy shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, we did a puppet show about 9-11, like right after 9-11, yeah. like shit like that, you know. This is in Austin or New York? It was in... Uh, Collegeville, Pennsylvania. It was out. Oh. It was outside of Philly. Oh, okay. I don't know. Where I thought Austin. I was in Austin, and then I moved back. Okay. Yeah, Sorry, gotcha, gotcha. I forgot that part. So we, um, so we did that for a few weeks. There was never anybody there. Five people. They didn't care. Uh, my buddy, on the eve of our fifth show, I think it was, was like, "I'm not doing this, dude. <laughs> I'm a math teacher." I have a good job. I don't need to do this. This is stressing me out. It's horrible. Yeah. I said, okay, well, then I'll do it alone tomorrow. And he said, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I always wanted to do stand-up, so I'll try it. And I wrote for a few hours that night. and came up with what I thought was enough material, and and I went in the next night, and it was packed. Oh, wow. Wow. (laughs) It was like real trial by fire. It was packed, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Your efforts finally paid off. Yeah, and the guy was like, it's a birthday party, man. This is a great. Look at this crowd. And I was like, God damn it. I was terrified. I was, I was throwing back drinks, like just trying to calm down. I went on and I did my thing. And uh, and then uh, it, it didn't go well. Got a few laps here and there, but, you know, it wasn't great. Yeah. And um, I came off stage. And a kid that I went to uh, grade school with, who was the first kid I ever knew that said to me, hey, I'm an atheist. When we were, like, too young for somebody to say that, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. I was like, dude, that's bad. You should, you know? Yeah. So he was a really progressive kid. And, like, he came up to me, and now we're 22 or 23, whatever it was. 24, excuse me. And he goes, uh, hey, I want to talk to you about your act. I was like, yeah, man, how you been, dude? I haven't seen you for a while. He's gonna compliment me, and he goes, uh, "Yeah, man, like I don't like a lot of that shit you said." And he like, I had a thing about vegetarians that he didn't like. Uh, that pissed him off. And then, you know, I eat healthy, and that's bullshit. That's not true about vegetarians. And I was like, "Oh, it's a fucking joke, dude." 
and then um, and then he was like, and that stuff you're saying about the church is fucked up. And I was like, wait a minute, dude, you're an atheist. What are you talking about? And he goes, oh, dude, didn't I tell you? Like, I'm real re- religious now. Oh, and it was it was the reinforcement of, of all the other shit yeah. that I've already talked about all over again. It's yeah. like, oh, so now because you switched everybody's... And I uh, remember thinking, this is so awesome that I made him this angry inadvertently. Yeah. I want to do this. Yeah. Like, I want to do this. Like, you can... Because it, it took me back to being 12 and seeing Carlin for the first time say all this shit that I know at the time would have probably pissed my parents off. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, ooh, it's rebellious. You can be rebellious in comedy. I want to, I want to do that. Yeah. That was, that's how it started. Now, was there, was there a, a set you ever did? I don't know if it's like the worst heckling story, but is there a, a, a set you did where you pissed people off so much and things went so off track that you were like, maybe I shouldn't do this anymore. Yeah, a million, dude. <laughs> no, <laughs> not one that sticks out people. where you're like, okay, this is a good one. This is one that I will always remember. Oh, dude, I had people like, I mean, it wasn't always pissing people off. It was just bombing. Yeah. But I had a few. I had one two years ago. I was in fucking Edinburgh at the Fringe, and they had this, like, circus tent show. It was like a variety show. And they were they had comics come in, one comic per show come in and do a, do a, do their set on the treadmill. <laughs> and they would keep upping the speed of the treadmill. And that was the gag. It was like you had to try to get your set out while you were, like, jogging. Oh, so you were on the treadmill. So I was on the treadmill, and I got it in my head that it would be really funny to do an impression of an insult comic. Like, to do, like, an insult comic character on this treadmill as I'm, like, panting. <laughs> so I'm, like, on this thing, I'm sweating, I'm panting, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, what's your name? Shut the fuck up, you pig. You know, like, just, like, just being, like, ridiculous. Yeah. And I was I completely bombed, and this lady went, "You're very rude," and I was like, "Oh shit, this didn't work." And you're also out of breath. Yeah. And then I left, and nobody from the show like looked at me, talked <laughs> to me. It was clear that I like fucked up. Yeah. And then I, w- <laughs> I went outside to walk to the to the. Co- bar where all the comics were hanging and I was so depressed and I almost got jumped by four 17 oh my year old God. kids in this park I don't get though it like, was nuts it was the, like a bad day <laughs> treadmill thing but does does that like when you when you're asked to do that it's like well that's not really like why it's almost like you're they're making you walk a tightrope that I didn't want to do it yeah. But the lady that asked me to do it was a friend of mine. Yeah. She was. This is like a an friend exercise. Of yours, no I'm longer like, hey, a friend. Try this fun new way to do it. I don't know. And she was like, come do it. It's a goof. And she was and she she was right. She goes She goes, dude, this is what the fringe is all about. Like <laughs> doing this fucking weird shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You know? She's like, get into it. And I'm like, Yeah, you're right, fuck it. And I did it and I was like, I wasn't right for it. She didn't hold it against me. She could have. She could have been a real asshole and been like, you know, dude, I put my fucking name on the line for you and you fucked it all up. She was just like, fuck it, dude. What are you going to do, man? (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to do it ever again. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And then I ran into the people from the show at the bar and I was talking to them and I was like, "Uh, it's just been a bad night. Like, I had that set at your show and then I almost got jumped in the park (laughs) by these four 17-year-old kids. And 
the, the, one of the women from the show, and she was just like, oh, Joe, Jesus, here, come on, drinks. All right, let me get you some drinks. <laughs> She's like, please. <laughs> this is terrible. That's awesome. But, yeah. I mean, those happen. You know, you get it in your head that something's a good idea, and, and, yeah. and it's not. And sometimes. it doesn't stay with you. After Afterwards, you just kind of shake it off, and you don't look, lose sleep over it. You don't go, ah, I would I have on the, like, if I... How about, what's your story? What's your bad... I There's just been times when I got mad at the audience, uh, you know, and, I, you know, you blame it on them, and ultimately, it's not their fault, even if they were technically a terrible audience. I remember one of the worst times I bombed was the Boston Comedy Festival. I was in a... I was in a contest first round or the round before that I killed and then the next time I was following somebody that they really loved and um, I went up after and just it was I didn't connect with the audience and just sure, yeah. ate it yeah. it was like at that point maybe one of the most important sets there were like bookers from Letterman and like <laughs> you know in the audience and I just I thought my career was over yeah. you know but here you are here in I the am. yard doing a I'm, podcast I'm so how could it be over you know um, I think we, I think it's time to wrap this up you guys have been freaking awesome I'm sorry I, I was gonna go get cold beer for yeah, you you don't want any cold what time is it uh -huh. it's, it's, uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty late 12 12 12 12 oh, okay my watch says 2 12 <laughs> so I was like geez, so. um, no, we can wrap it up I don't care but yeah I, th I think uh, well, we at least, at least take a break but um, do you have anything you want to plug Joe is there anything coming up that you can and, and don't be like don't be modest like no, I, I have my podcast. We'll see you in hell. Uh huh. And who you, you do that by yourself, or you have? No, a... it's my friend Pat Walsh and I. Okay. And we review horror, sci-fi, fantasy films. Oh, that's great. So that's available. We're on the Starburns Audio Network. So check that out. And uh, I'll be in Philly at the Punchline Thanksgiving weekend, the nice. Friday and Saturday of Thanksgiving weekend. So that's the next road date. So uh, if you're in the area, come see me. Yeah, and you are still on Better Call Saul, or is that? Not happening anymore. Do I I just, I, well, I hope, a recurrent, I yeah. hope I'm still on. You know, yeah. I, don't, I never know until they call me. But yeah, you're also like a really good actor. I'm always surprised when I see a comic who is a good actor because well, you're a really good. Actor. Yeah, you're. A well, really I, good I mean, actor. I, Christ, I was more of an actor before you know I did anything else. So every time I see a, a comic doing doing uh, you know acting, I'm like this person's gonna suck. And uh, yeah, you're really good. I don't know if that was something. Do you have pedigree in it? Is it just you just started fucking with it? I took classes and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I'm. I think I'm good at playing a certain thing. Yeah. Well, you yeah. could you could you could talk and do things. That's a big thing. Like you, you talk and like put on gloves and walk and like turn. Around. Some people are like they talk and then they go. Oh, now I have to move here and talk and. You know. I find that easier. I find that when you have stuff to do, it makes the acting easier because it lets you deliver it more realistically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I often practice auditions like that. Like I'll practice like while I'm driving. Yeah. Like I'll do. I'll do the audition as if like I'm look like I'll drive as if I'm looking for an address. Yeah. And I'll do the audition like that. And I'm like, that makes it so much more real. Of course. Yeah, yeah. It takes you out of your head. Yeah. You know, um, but, but I don't book a goddamn thing. So, I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> do you still, do you still, do you want to direct? Cause you directed your, your short yeah, film, G, yeah. which I thought was great with you and. Yeah. I've directed it, directed a few things since then too. Um, and yeah, I'm working on something right now that I'm hoping I'm going to get to direct. Very cool. So I'd love to get to that side of things. Yeah, I know. A little less away from the microphone. Well, um, thank you so much for coming up, Joe DeRosa and Eric Thanks, Schwartz. Buddy. You guys thank have you. been awesome. I love both of you. And this has been The After Laugh. 
It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair.